0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You are listening to Letter from the Bureau, a podcast series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider Channel. I'm your host and ST's foreign editor, Li Xueying. Now, the letter from the Bureau is like a cynic detour from the hard news that keeps hitting the global headlines. Here, we talk about life as it goes on amid all the crises. I chat each month with one of ST's correspondents in the Asia-Pacific, the US, and Europe, and they share with you their observations and insights on what's unfolding in their patch. In our 25th episode, we are speaking with ST's China correspondent, Ao Cheng Wei. Good to have you on the show, Cheng Wei.
1: Thanks for having me, Ying.
0: So Chen Wei, you wrote about China's most livable city as voted by the Chinese in the new survey. And the results are quite surprising. It's not Beijing, not Shanghai, not Shenzhen, and not even Chengdu. It's the city Changsha in central Hunan. Can you tell me how that came about?
1: So Changsha has been popularly featured in a lot of China's uh, media and television programs. It is the home of Mango TV. So a lot of people know it through uh, Mango TV's eyes. So obviously, being a TV channel, they have a lot of uh, shows about Changsha's food, food, the celebrities there, a lot of the movies and television programs, drama serials are set against Changsha. So within China, Changsha has this reputation of kind of being like a bit like Chinese Hollywood in that sense, where it is the popular setting for many places. I think Chengdu used to be um, because of his laid back life, but mainly because of economic costs and concerns, Changsha then decided to, I would rather Mango TV, then decided to have Changsha as its backdrop. it is a very very vibrant backdrop Mm. so the city is very well lit at night there's a river that runs across Changsha where people can talk and chat and have supper you know it is a very livable city that people have in China already knew about but I think what was surprising for me was how low the property prices there are compared with say Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, Shenzhen. Mm. So you mentioned that it was surprising that these four mega cities did not make to the top. In fact, they, 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 they were ranked pretty much at the bottom mm. because of how high-strung the, the lives in these four cities. So Changsha being very livable, has a very vibrant economy and social life. Mm. Uh, it has risen very much to the top.
0: I see. So I'm going to come back to the property prices in a bit. But first, you were saying that Changsha is the Hollywood of China. So what were some of the popular shows that you know, people in Singapore or in, or in the region might have seen Changsha in?
1: I think in the region would be quite... Because a lot of the Chinese movies that are popular in domestically, they, they tend to feature uh, certain cities. So I think Changsha is one, for example, that's called The Tale of the Night. I think it was just released earlier this year. So they, they have slice-of-life drama serials. And also a lot of these reality TV programs where, for example, they'll talk about, let's meet in Changsha or let's go back uh, and hang out in Changsha among the celebrities. So Changsha uh, will feature very much prominently in, in perhaps products that are not familiar to an international or even like Asian audience, but really within China.
0: So what is it about Changsha that makes it such a scenic backdrop to these shows? So you went there recently to write the story. What is the city like? Can you describe it for us?
1: It's very well built. A lot of the life is centred around the Huangxing Strange Street. So that's where a lot of so-called TV programmes go on the street to get uh, interviews with Mm -hmm. people who are shopping there and such. So that's one popular backdrop you have uh famous brands you know the the international lv and all that they are are there as well and there's also a very good mix of local brands Mm. things like anta lining they are all there as well and the more iconic ones that perhaps are known again perhaps more to the chinese uh is this milk tea brand called cha yuan yue se oh so it is a Changsha uh product and so a lot of people go to Changsha for that and you will see that um, being featured in for example talk shows and tv shows about Changsha, so that's a quite a, a defining brand that Changsha has. I see. Yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah, you don't get this brand. You don't get this brand outside of Changsha, actually. So it has managed to be a pride of Changsha.
0: Does it taste different from other bubble tea brands out there in China?
1: Uh, it does. The the tea that they use is better. I see. So I will compare this. For example. Uh, which I think in Southeast Asia there's also a few outlets. Mm. So the, the tea is better, but you know I'm not a seasoned bubble tea drinker. But seasoned <laughs> bubble tea drinker will tell you that the tea really matters when it comes to I this. See. And yeah,
0: okay, it's interesting what goes into the branding of a city. And going back to the the point about property prices, you did interview someone who talked about why she wanted to live there. And she bought a four-room flat for about 2.7 million yuan, or about 500,000 Sing dollars. So I know that that was last year. But since then, as we all know, China has been undergoing a property crisis. You have written quite a bit about that yourself as well. Prices are in free fall. So what is the situation now in Changsha? Is it still a good place for the Chinese to buy property?
1: It is very stable or rather more stable compared with other Chinese cities. So the, the thing about Changsha is that a lot of people buy flats. there are not really for investments, but they are buying it because they would like to live there. I see. So for example the the, the property prices in Beijing, Shanghai, and Guangzhou, a lot of them have been propped up because of the demand. people think of it as a very good investment. So you will see a very noticeable difference between, say, someone who buys a flat in Changsha because they plan to live there for the long term. Whereas like in Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, people buy it mostly for investments. Mm. So I think that's a very stark difference. And in this latest round of regulatory clampdown, we see that it's it's under this campaign of houses are for living in and not for speculation. Mm. So Changsha has never really been a place where people went to Chao Went to buy property there as, as, as if we are yeah the the Chinese fascination with property la but people have always gone there because it's more livable. A lot of it also has to do with the fact that the salaries in Changsha, they are not very high, Mm. but they are okay enough for someone who can spend 30 years paying off a mortgage in Changsha. Whereas like in Beijing, Shanghai and Guangzhou, people can work their whole lives and not be able to afford a a place in in these four mega cities. So there's also a very noticeable difference in that sense. Mm. Like why you decide to to lay roots in a city. Mm.
0: So does it mean that the churn of people coming in and out of Changsha is a bit more stable? Or is it that people do come in, but they tend to stay put?
1: Yes, yeah, so it is a lot more stable. And we saw that actually one of the, for the population last year, I think Changsha's population rose by 1.77%, which is the highest actually among a survey of major Chinese cities. So people tend to stay there. But a lot of it also has to do with the fact that it is a growing city. Mm. There's no telling how high it will reach in terms of its developed status right, right now, at least from what we see. But Changsha is not, say, central China's key city. So in central China, the key city is Wuhan. Mm. And Wuhan's GDP growth was 4% last year, whereas Changsha was 4.5. In fact, Changsha, I think, was one of the highest one. Mm. We compare this with Zhengzhou, which is the city's, or rather, like, it grew the least. It was Zhengzhou's GDP growth was 1% last year, which is two percentage points behind the national average. So actually, Changsha has recorded quite a fast rate of growth. Right. And this trend is likely to continue if people keep moving to Changsha. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Back
0: to my conversation with ST's China correspondent, Ao Cheng Wei, where we're talking about the place that has just been voted by the Chinese as the country's most livable city, Changsha in central Hunan. So what accounts for this fairly robust growth in Changsha? And how representative is this about the growth in middle China in general?
1: So we see places like Wuhan where they have reached this status that perhaps we call it the Xing, Yixian, Chengshu, the new first-tier cities mm. that being yes. comparable to Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou. So there's a lot of growth left over for cities like Changsha and Zhengzhou, mm. where they, they can strive to reach that status. So what drives this economy in Changsha, a lot of it is also agriculture. There's, there's still a very huge agricultural uh, base because parts of Hunan remain very rural. Xiangxi, this area, they're going to be considered much less developed even across the nation. So when you have places like Changsha where the growth is higher, mm. you will tend to draw a lot of growth from this area, right? Mm. So uh, it will spur your economy, service sectors and stuff like that. So that these are the areas for growth in this sense, because even the GDP rebound last year was mostly due to the service sector. Mm. As we know, the primary and secondary industries are not as productive as, say, the tertiary ones. So there's a lot of room for growth. And if Changsha continues to be a popular spot for tourists and also domestic or international, then, you know, can see that area growing very quickly.
0: So aside from tourism, which is driving a lot of the growth in the service sector, what other prospects are there for young Chinese who are looking to relocate to Changsha and to find jobs there?
1: Um, a lot of the Chinese, the, the younger Chinese, where jobs are perhaps a bit more mobile these days, they can be based in Changsha, where the cost of living is lower, but still enjoy mm. the privileges of being in like a uh, more developed city than perhaps their own hometown. But they can still, for example, service clients in Beijing, Shanghai, and Guangzhou. Okay. So basically, uh, another person we, uh, I spoke with, He is a Changsha native, but his clients are in Guangzhou. Right. So he goes into Guangzhou now and then, but he does most of his work remotely. What does he do? Again, sorry. So what he does is that he does social media. He manages social media accounts for a lot of his clients. So there are companies that range from services uh, like, for example, restaurants and whatnot to factories. So he does the back end for them. Things like managing their WeChat accounts, things like managing their Weibo presence. Yeah, so you can do these things remotely. Yes. What, what he offers to this company is a cheaper rate, say, than someone who's living in Guangzhou.
0: Right. And has this trend exacerbated during, because of COVID? I mean, obviously, that has driven a lot of the trends towards remote work uh, and finding ways to get that done. You know, having clients in Guangzhou while you're actually based in Changsha. And that essentially means that cities like Changsha, where property prices are low and the living standards are quite decent, Uh, you are really able to just stay put there and continue to get work from outside of the city.
1: Yes, in the sense that like it's more normalized now following COVID, right? So Mm. we see that uh, across the world, actually, despite the fact that there was so much talk about work from home Mm. that eventually a lot of us actually went back to the office for a certain number of days. But as companies try harder to attract talent and also the cost being an issue, they're always looking for cost alternatives. And if you're a contractor, then there's really no real reason for you to, to be based where I am, right? So, for example, if they can outsource this this job to, say, Changsha mm. or someone in Changsha yeah. at a lower price and, say, someone in, then, then, then there's no real reason why I need you in my office.
0: Would we say that the rise of a city like Changsha is something that we could be seeing in other cities across China as well? You New know, cities with lower cost of living, lower property prices, but these decent living standards. But people will want to stay there because now they do have the option of living there, but yet still getting work outside of
1: the city. So, one crucial advantage I think Changsha has over perhaps other less developed cities is that, firstly, okay, so firstly, it's a provincial capital. Mm. And secondly, actually, the quality of its graduates are good. So Hunan University is among, you know, it's not as good. Of course, your are of uh, Fudan. Mm. But the quality of graduates is also good. So a lot of it also has to do with, can you get access to manpower? Say, for example, maybe, I'll, again, I'll draw the comparison to Zhengzhou. So Henan, again, is not a city known very much for its graduates, even though the competition is so stiff. Henan is one of the largest provinces that China has. But the university quality may not be, say, as, as good as Hunan. So Hunan graduates maybe tend to be a bit more sought after, which also helps this trend, right? In that sense, the companies may feel that I'm getting a better quality worker for so lower the cost. But again, it depends on the services they provide. So for example, my interview with Mr. Zhou, his work is IT-based. But if, say, you know you meet someone on the factory line, then that's not possible to do, right? Mm. With the rise of the digital economy, we see this happening. I think there have also been stories documenting digital nomads and mm. uh, people choosing to work not in the city they are in, and taking on freelance services. So we see this rise of younger Chinese who are perhaps more liberal about their view towards employment. So China has always had this culture where uh work is contracted. The idea of employment for mm. farmers in that sense, you yes. know, is not very strong and that's their background, right? Yes. So when the season works, we, we will work and then after when there's no job, we'll chill for a bit. We we see this happening. There are certain parallels here that we can draw that, that we can see uh within the younger Chinese. I guess because a lot of their their parents will also be a lot more well to do now uh, mm. that they can afford not to think so much about well, what does what do I happen the rest of my life if I don't work?
0: Right, fascinating. So Ching Anyway, one last question for you. What will you choose? You're now in Beijing. Yeah. Would you want to move to Changsha?
1: So Changsha is known as, it's, it's really hot there, right? <laughs> but I, yeah, that would be a serious draw. I, I would seriously consider moving. Okay. Basically, as you are, <laughs> as, as you are recording this, we're entering into fall and subsequently winter. Right. So that's not quite pleasant.
0: Right. Okay, we will have this yeah. conversation again. Um, thank you, <laughs> Wei. <K-way.
1: laughs> thank you, Huyin. for being
0: on the show. Thanks.
1: No, no, no. Thanks, thanks thanks for having me.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Letter from the Bureau, a podcast by The Straits Times. If you would like to read Ching Wei's column, we have a link in our podcast show notes. You will also find a link to other articles in our Letter from the Bureau series.
1: That was a podcast by The Straits Times.